This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Let's go back in time to 1932 as Converse brings you historic footage of the legendary original Celtics with whom all great professional teams are compared. We have now taken over your radio. Richie Guerin is about to show you the most important step in getting past a man. It's the first one. And Oscar will inbound it. The men in green, the Milwaukee Bucks, that's Al Cinder against Bellamy. Has Jordan. Allen shakes three. Gets two. Gilmore on the stop. Oh, brother. Oh, oh, Toledo artist, you get 21. 4.28 to go in the first quarter for the Cow Palace. Here's Barry. Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason Mann and with me as usual is Rich Krejci. Rich Krejci, back with you. Yes, we're uh, meeting a, 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 a common, I, I don't know yeah, how to say it, a man we're, we, we've met with frequently in this series, but he's back again. Yes, Will Chamberlain. Yeah. He fact, is back. Well, we we can't. Well, this will be our last time uh, dealing with Wilton in an extensive level uh, on this uh, WrestleMania episode. It is uh, the Celtics playoff battles against Will Chamberlain and the Philadelphia 76ers. Of course, they had already undergone many battles uh, against the um, against Will when he was with the uh, the Philadelphia and San Francisco Warriors. Now the second incarnation, um, and there would of course be uh, more to come. Five, in fact, with the. Uh, the Sixers, the, the first four with Wilt, the final one without Wilt. We'll, we'll get into the circumstances of that. Um, so starting with 1965, um, the Celtics won this series uh, four games to three. Uh, Syracuse, as we mentioned in previous shows, the Nationals had moved to Philly for the 63-64 to 64 season. And the Nationals had been a pretty big rival with the Philadelphia Warriors, who had previously moved to San Francisco. So now it is a, you know, a former rival moving to Philadelphia 
And fans were, you know, understandably initially resistant to the team. Largely, it was players they had, you know, been booing just a couple years earlier. And I can't really think of, like, a precedent where a team, you know, that had been a pretty hated rival suddenly moves to the town uh, and and keeps most of the players. Like, can you think of a situation yeah, to, like uh, that? Off the top of my head, no. I mean, yeah, it's... it's... Try to think because baseball would have been the only one that I would think of to, you know, my head immediately went to, oh, there's got to be a you know baseball situation to this or a baseball equivalent. Yeah. And there's, I mean, I, yeah, I feel like all the teams that move generally move to cities that were, yeah. you know, that, that did not have baseball before. Well, so. I, I do get that from, um, like my dad. So I, I, I grew up, you know, I grew up obviously a White Sox fan or whatever. And I've always considered my National League team to be like the Milwaukee Brewers because they're, you know, in my lifetime or the most of my baseball watching lifetime, they have been in the National League. But my right. dad like hates the Brewers. And he's like, well, yeah, they were our hated rivals for like, so many years, uh, like, yeah, because he was uh, like they were in the American League, and I'm like, oh yeah, like, because for me, he he doesn't get why I like the Brewers, and I'm like, well, because I mean, why why do you hate the Brewers? And I'm like, but for him, that was a rival, but for me, it's like, well, they were in, the, you know, yeah. like to me, it doesn't matter because like they, they in my lifetime, they've always been in the National League, so I guess that's a situation. I can't think of an actual sure. like team yeah. moving to a spot and and that being the rival, but I know from like uh, divisions or conferences or whatever, you would have seen some of that, but uh, yeah, it, it's right. it's it's definitely an unprecedented uh, sort of thing. Yeah, I yeah, I, I was I'm too young to remember when the Brewers and White Sox were rivals. Like I remember the Brewers being in the American League, but I I think they were different divisions by that point. So it, it was nothing I'd ever thought about. Right, right. Know, uh, as far as them being rivals, that's interesting. So, um, so Will was traded midseason um to the 76ers right after the All Star break, I believe. Um, he had been dealing with a pancreatitis that had slowed him a bit during that season. The the Warriors had really fallen off um, early in the year after Will missed a, a good portion of the beginning of the season and, and wasn't playing, he, by his standards, was not playing that well. Um, also, some of the doctors in San Francisco thought that he was dealing with a heart condition. His doctors in Philly dis- disagreed, basically just saying, like, okay, he's just different from everybody else. You have to get him to uh, really exercise before you can get, like, a normal-looking echocardiogram from him. Anyway, I, obviously, he turned out his heart, you know, he was fine. You know, he died, you know, in his 70s. So it wasn't like he, um, you know, the heart condition didn't slow his basketball condition down. So in this case, the uh, the Philly doctors appear to be right. Um and the um, uh, there were issues between Wilt and uh, Coach Dolph Shays, who, of course, was a, uh, a Nationals, uh, former Nationals great. He'd been a critic of uh, some of Wilt's perceived uh, selfishness, his whining, and his bad free throw shooting, although some of those critiques, Shays said, were intended to be tongue-in-cheek. So um, there's uh, – and then – in this season, on December 26, 1964, the Celtics actually made history by starting an all-black uh, lineup with uh, Bill Russell, Satch Sanders, Casey Jones, Sam Jones, and Willie Nalls. Uh, went unreported at the time, and apparently Auerbach claimed to be a, oblivious to significance, but it was, of course, the first time that um, five black players had started for an NBA team. Um, and uh, notable given the uh, racial history of uh, the NBA and uh, of America in general. Uh, the uh, the Sixers this season were 40 and 40. They actually were only slightly above 500 after the Will trade. So it took a little bit for them to kind of gel. Uh, the Celtics were 62 and 18, which had set the uh, NBA record. So this is right around the 64, 65. It's right, right around the peak, you know, for the sure. uh, for the Celtics and, and from the blend of you know, the veterans and the uh, rookies. So uh, the uh, the Sixers beat the Royals, who we talked about in a previous episode, uh, three to one. Uh, in the first round, the Celtics had a bye, given that they uh, had uh, won the division. This being their final season, they they won the division. Uh, the key Celtics were um, Bill Russell, Sam Jones, uh, uh, Sanders, and Casey 
Havlicek, Heinsohn, which is his final season. Uh, and Ramsey and Luskadoff and Clyde Levelette all retired after the 64 season. So, so some new blood here. They added uh, Willie Knowles, who was a, a longtime uh, Nick. Uh, we talked about a little bit in previous shows. Um, uh, he also played in the game in the against Wilt in the uh, game um, where uh, Wilt Chamberlain scored 100 points. Uh, Larry Siegfried also added to the team and Mel Counts. Uh, future Georgetown coach uh, John Thompson came off the bench as well. <laughs> So. These teams, when you, one of the most remarkable things I think about these Celtic teams is how many future head coaches are on the. It, it's it's insane. Like especially yes. like I mean, some of them maybe you know less <laughs> renowned than others, but still like a lot of head coaches. Like just everywhere. Yeah. Like you can't you trip over a head coach every time you you look at the Celtics yeah. team. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Casey Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Satch Sanders, uh, Heinz, and Russell, of course, um, and. Uh, and John Thompson. At least I I'm can't think of anybody else off the top of my head, but I'm. There's at least a couple. Yeah, obviously a lot of those guys were uh, coaches, and, and many of them had big success. Uh, and Auerbach, uh, he finally got his Coach of the Year award this year. Though the Coach of the Year award, it was only like a couple, like three or four years old at this point. So it wasn't like um, he had been. It's not like he had been not given into it at all during his dynasty. Well, it's good it to know it's always been a terrible award. <laughs> yes. It usually hey. goes to guys that coach like teams that were bad and now they're okay. So now you're the coach of the year. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, I, you know, <laughs> hey, at least you didn't get fired after winning the coach of happens, you know, occasionally. So uh, the Celtics de- dedicated their season to Walter Brown, who was the, the the famous owner of the team, one of the founders of the NBA who died in uh, in September of 64. Um so the uh, the key 76ers were um, were Hal Greer, uh, Dave Gamby, Larry Costello, Al Bianchi, and Red Kerr. They all dated back to the Nationals, the Celtics rivalry of the uh, late 50s, early 60s that we uh, talked about in a previous episode. In fact, uh, Red Kerr dated back to the um, 55 title team, and he was near the end of his career. Of course, he would move on to coach the Chicago Bulls and uh, become a famous uh, broadcaster and personality. Uh, Chet Walker had joined the franchise in 63, which was its last year in Syracuse. Um, and uh, as far as newcomers, of course, Wilt, as we mentioned, he was acquired in 65 for uh, Connie Dirking, Paul Newman, Lee Schaefer, and Cash. And this was that was not a very good trade. But again, um, there were they a couple knew of, that at the time, right? Like everybody well, sort of well, assumed, well, they, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they knew it wasn't good. I mean, San Francisco was kind of in a bad position because that move had not gone well from a financial perspective. The, the The fan base hadn't really been there, and they were performing badly. They had Nate Thurmond who could kind of fill that role. So, you know, why do you have? Well, they feel like maybe he's damaged goods with the, um, uh, you know, with with the health issues. Also, um, Wilts. Um, he, his business manager was also the owner of the 76ers, which was kind of a, <laughs> an interesting situation. Um, so he, he kind of even said like, I oh, don't trade for me. I might not even, you know, I, I might be done after the season. And they, you know, they were pretty confident they could convince him to stay. And obviously they didn't and had a lot of success. Um, uh, Luke Jackson was a rookie all-star at power forward. Um, and there was a little bit of resentment from Hal Greer and Chet Walker, who were kind of the stars of the team at this point, over having to suddenly be overshadowed by Will. But they got through well. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Jeez. Yes. Um, and Dolph Shades was in his second year as a head coach for the team, as we mentioned. Um, as, uh, so uh, so how did the series go? Serious, yeah, a pretty tight series. Uh, five of the games were within six points or less, uh, with only one real blowout. So that's uh, an interesting aspect of that. The home team uh, actually won every single game of this series as well, which is another little interesting tidbit there. Uh, the 76ers won game four in overtime, uh, 134 to 130. 
31. Uh, Wilt had 34 points. Uh, Walker, 31. Hal Greer, 27. Uh, and Sam Jones led the Celtics with 26. Uh, there's an SI article called My Life in a Bush League, and it was written by <laughs> Wilt. And it featured criticisms of just about everybody in the NBA, especially his coach. Uh, and that comes out right after uh, Game 4. And his uh, quote here is, Shays is so tenderhearted that someone sitting on the bench can look over at him with those big wet eyes and he'll put them in the game. So... <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of just a like basically Wait yeah. for the offseason. <laughs> Maybe right. tell us how to push it back a few weeks. Till. Well, that that was apparently what he had said like, oh they they told me it was going to come out during the offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um <laughs> so it, yeah, it came out before he, apparently before he expected it I to. Guess it's not too bad. And, He's a good passionate coach. I'm I'm okay yeah, with that. I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean basically <laughs> just kind of ripped like you know, everything about dealing with fans and management yeah. expectations, hints at retirement. Basically created a big fear among the league and his team. He yeah. actually was fined uh, I think the biggest fine in NBA history at the time. Uh, for the article, um, which was obviously a dumb way to handle it. But, um, I mean, it was kind of a combination of a lot of things that, oh, these are actually probably good, pretty good points, pretty logical. And there were a few things that were just, sure. like, off the wall, kind of like, you know, what are you talking about type stuff. I mean, um, but obviously, you know, a a player, even if Wolf Thatcher criticizing his team and, and the league uh, during that time is not going to get. Yeah, not gonna it's not a very healthy up. league. Uh, still not very. Yeah. Well, let's. Yeah. <laughs> so so your stars say my league sucks is kind of. Yeah, great, right. But. Exactly. So and it's like, yeah, I, I care about the league, but these are things that are kind of getting in the way of it. being sure. good. So, um, yeah. So it it definitely wasn't the, the best timing, whether it really had anything to do with them losing the series or not is, of course, up for conjecture, up for conjecture. But um, it, obviously, uh is part of the story of the series. Yep, and of course they did lose it. Game 7. Uh, I know you're going to be shocked here, but Bill Russell defeated Will Chamberlain in a Game 7 yes. uh, as a member of the Boston Celtics. I know it's it's pretty hard to believe, yeah. but yeah, 110 to 109. Uh, Russell had 15 points, 29 rebounds, 8 assists. Wilt had 30 points and 23 rebounds. Um, up uh, 110-109, Russell inbounding the ball, only to have it bounce off a wire just above the court, and I believe we've talked about this uh, play uh, in a previous yes. episode. Yes. Uh, and there's a video of it as well, which is pretty interesting because you don't get a whole lot of video these days, but there is one of this yeah. actually happening. And, uh, of course, the rules at the time stipulated that this was a violation. Then the ball would be awarded to the opposition, the Philadelphia 76ers, of course. So they have the ball then down one. Um, pretty good situation. Uh, during the ensuing timeout together themselves, Russell pleaded with his teammates to get him out of this <laughs> out of this mess. Otherwise, he'd be the scapegoat for the season-ending disaster. And as we know, Wilt... Or, uh, Russell, as always, you know, for a guy who had so much success, he was also very, like, so nervous about lose. Like, he hated to lose, like, in any situation. It was, like, actually legitimately, like, you know, it drove him nuts in many cases. Like, so this would probably not be very good. But uh, he didn't have to worry because uh, when play resumed, uh, with five seconds left, Hal Greer inbounded the ball towards Chet Walker. And then you might have heard of it or not, but uh, Javin uh, Havlicek, he intercepted the pass and batted away and uh, – I believe somebody might have said Havlicek stole the ball, and you might have heard that before. So maybe like, it's, it's, possible. I, it's, it's really they don't play it too much up in the NBA. I mean, you don't really hear too much <laughs> about it, but uh, yeah, you got that. But I was always interested to see because, of course, you see that part. But then I looked at a video, and they actually have a part of him bouncing it off the wire, which is really great. And it's just like the video just shows like tw- ten people pointing at the wire, like no, that's because you see Russell throw it, and then the ball just doesn't go, like falls, and then like everybody looks and like wait a minute, like he hit the wire, which is just pre- like man to be <laughs> Russell there, but. Uh, you don't have to worry. John Havlicek saved him. So, yes. Um, so, uh, so moving on, 1966, the Celtics won the series uh, four games to one. Uh, during the uh, season, December of 65, actually, part owner of the uh, 76ers, Ike Richmond, who was a close friend and a lawyer for Wilt, he died during a game in Boston. Um, he actually collapsed and slumped over the shoulders of Albionti, uh, one of the players for the Sixers. Um, 
Dolph Shays shouted for a doctor, and Auerbach and the Celtics trainer helped carry Richmond from behind the bench while team doctor tended to him. Eventually, he was taken by ambulance and declared dead um, at 52. Uh, his uh, wife was called by the 76ers trainer who who said to tell the team to win the game for Ike. Uh, they were distraught but ended up rallying and winning and broke a 19-game losing streak in Boston, which is just kind of a crazy story for, for not only for him to die during the game and then for the wife to, you know, find out about it and then to, you know, like rally the team. It's just like a, a almost unbelievable uh, sports story. But apparently it happened. It was uh, uh, documented in uh, in the rivalry in other sources as well. So that's a pretty um, uh, amazing thing to uh, to happen. Certainly. <laughs> yeah. Um also, um, Auerbach, uh, as, as the series is, is getting closer, uh, about to happen, um, Auerbach was asked uh, if Russell had lost his edge, and he said, I don't want to comment on that, and then also said that, you know, Will, at, at this point, of course, had ambition to beat Russell, but Russell had nothing to prove, and his quote was, but if it happens, and if it happens this year, remember that it didn't happen until Russell was over 30, so <laughs> sort of interesting to see Auerbach, the way he sort of feels about it, the way he's defending Russell, the way he's sort of realizing that, okay, at some point this could happen, but, you know, you know, it didn't happen until, and, you know, it, it, of course it wouldn't happen for another year, but um, the fact that he was such, um, uh, you know, really trying to um, address that openly, I thought was really interesting. That, that was from uh, King of the Court. So um, the records here were uh, uh, 55 and 25 for the Sixers, 54 and 26 for the uh, Celtics. So this was the first year the, the Sixers had a better record. Uh, the Celtics beat uh, the Royals 3-2 in the first round, which we talked about in our previous episode. The uh, Sixers had a bye, and the first time the Celtics did not win the division in the Russell era. Uh, they actually would not win the division again for the rest of uh, Russell's career. Uh, this was also the last NBA player playoffs where the uh, division winner got a first-round bye. They would go, they would add, as they started to expand, they would have 10 teams in the league, and eight of them would make the playoffs for a while until uh, until expansion uh, grew further. But... Um, so uh, this was, yeah, of course, most of the same crew, as you might expect. Um, Heinsohn had retired for the Celtics, but everyone else was still there. Uh, Red Auerbach's final year of coaching. They did pick up Don Nelson, who uh, became a, a key player for the uh, the the Celtics in the late 60s and really into the uh, the mid-70s. He was part of the uh, 70s championship teams as well. So Another coach. <laughs> Another yes, coach yes exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, pretty famous coach. Um, might know. have the most wins ever. Um, so... Uh, I'll check on that. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> For the Sixers, we have Wilt, uh, Greer and Walker, uh, Jackson, uh, Bianchi and Gamby return. Kerr's finally retired. Um, and Costello uh, actually spent this year in the Eastern League before he would return to the team in 67. <laughs> Uh, Billy Cunningham's a rookie on this team and, and very important player um, for them. Uh, and then guard Wally Jones is added to the team after a year in Baltimore. And Shays returns for his final year as a coach. So, uh, so, so Rich, how did the series go? Yeah. Uh, as far as the series overall, uh, Sam Jones, uh, led the Celtics. He had uh 25.8 points per game. Uh, Havlicek had 25.4. Russell had 14. So you start to see a little bit of the Russell again, like, you know, 14 points isn't bad, but you're starting to see the, him slowing down a little bit. Uh, Wilt had 28 points per game in the series. Uh, Outrack focused his strategy on going after the rookie Cunningham with presses, uh, figuring, it, you know, rightfully so, uh, that his uh, inexperience would cost the 76ers. And Cunningham averages 5.4, uh, 5.3 rather, uh, points per game, down from his 14.3 average that he had during the year. So Red Auerbeck, uh, chalk one up for him. Uh, it's 
decent yeah. coach. De- decent idea there. Yeah. yeah, good good idea, Red Auerbach. Uh, one of your yeah. one of your few. But uh, yeah, so Boston won games one and two handedly. Seventy um, Sixers came back and they won game three, one eleven, one oh five. Boston they won game four at home, one fourteen to one oh eight. Uh, game five in Philly, uh, one twenty, one twelve, and that clinched the series, of course, for the Celtics. Uh, game five, Havlicek had thirty two. Sam Jones had thirty. Uh, Russell chipped in eighteen, so not bad. Uh, Wilt had forty six points, but unfortunately, as he was wont to do, he was only eight of twenty five from the free throw line. So, uh, you know, did it cost them? I would. I, I, they probably yeah. weren't going to win the series either way. But yeah, that would have made up a pretty decent difference. But uh, that was it, unfortunately, for the nineteen sixty six seventy sixers. So, yes. Um. So, so then they we move on to 1967, which was uh, in the Eastern Division Finals. Sixers finally get a win. They win the series uh, four games to one. Wilt finally beats Russell. Uh, we talked about some of this aspects of this before, but getting into a few more details about it. Um, so the the big difference was that the Sixers added um, Alex Hannum as their new coach, had replacing um, Dolph Shays. And Hannum had coached Wilt in San Francisco, led them to the uh, finals, so he knew how to handle Wilt. He also uh, famously um, won the uh, led the St. Louis Hawks in '58 to the championship, so had two championships during the only two championships non-Celtics winning during the Russell era. Um, and uh, from the rivalry, uh, Russell particularly thought that this '76ers team was unlike any of other Wilt's teams because they had four players who could score consistently. In addition to Wilt, Cunningham, Greer, and Walker, and the Sixers called one aspect of their game "milk it," which meant everyone on the team fed the player, fed the, fed the ball to a player with a hot hand. Um, and there's a story regarding that of uh, Wilt having 29 field goals in a row over two games, closing in on the record of 32 in a row, which I believe he already was his record. And then Alex Hennem took out Wilt during the game, not realizing he was so close to the record. The players encouraged him to put Wilt back in, which he did, and then that angered uh, Gene Shu, the Baltimore coach at the time, to uh, you know uh, because it was near the end of the game, of course, and the uh, the. Sixers had it handily, but um, I believe he did end up breaking that record, and um, I think his record is 35 or something close to that, but good record. Um, At first, the Sixers in, you know, when Will had joined the team, they would have been divided more into a racial cliques, but now they were more integrated, particularly Billy Cunningham and Wilt were very close, Uh, and they would hang out a lot together off the court, which is unlike the Celtics. At at this point, the Celtics were more, you know, they were older guys, and I think older guys are more likely, of course, to, you know, spend more time with their families and less time, you know, hanging out. As you get older, you get, most people get less interested in um, going out and drinking and hanging out. Um, whereas the, uh, you know, the Sixers were generally a younger team and, um, you know, had more players that were, had more camaraderie with each other. Um, so not that that necessarily makes a huge difference when it comes to, um, you know, your effectiveness on the court, but it was just sort of interesting right. the, the different approaches for the uh, different players. So, uh, the, the Celtics were 16, 21 this year. So still obviously a very strong record. Philly set the record with 68 wins, 13 losses, um, the Celtics had beaten the Knicks uh, three to one in the first round. The Sixers had beaten the Royals three to one. As we mentioned, this was the first year where um, the, the every team had to play in the first round, no matter whether there were no buys anymore. Um, Russell, of course, is has debuted as coach. Um, we talked a little bit about before um, 
he did have some difficulty adjusting to just the strategy of being a coach, but do things like playing Sam Jones accidentally for 48 minutes or, um, you know, just substitution things, just things that, um, you know, are difficult to manage when you're also worrying about playing in the game. He obviously would get better at that and, and would win two championships as a coach, but there were some stretches where, you know, it was difficulty, difficult and caused frustration with his teammates and especially with the, uh, with the fans. Um, we're, we have Russell, of course, Havlicek, Casey and Sam Jones are still here, uh, Sanders, uh, Siegfried, and um, and Don Nelson. Uh, Bailey Howe and Wayne Embry are two uh, the veterans uh, who were added to the team to be part of the championships for the next couple seasons. Uh, for, this, for the uh, 76ers, we have... Um, we have the, the the crew that we talked about before. Uh, Costello returned for a year in the Eastern League, and the new players are uh, Matt Kukis, who would later be a 76ers and Magic coach um, in the 80s and 90s, and then future Nets star uh, Bill Melchioni, who we had talked about. Um, I, I I think I talked about actually with Adam in a previous episode on. Um, I, um, on, I, I forget what the episode was now, but anyway, we talked about him before Mil- Bill Milkioni. He was a, uh, didn't play much for the Sixers here, but would later become an important part of the Nets in the seventies. So, uh, so rich, how did the uh, series go? Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, overall, Hal Greer, uh, 29.2 points per game. Uh, Wilt had 21.6 and Walker, uh, 20.6. So decent outputs from all those guys. Uh, yep. Celtics were, uh, they were led by Havlicek. He had 30 points per game. Uh, Jones had 21.1 and Russell now, uh, as we mentioned, you slowly but surely seen it. He was down to 11.4 this year. Um, uh, Wilt had uh, an impressive game one, uh, 24 points, 14 rebounds. Or, uh, uh, sorry, no. Uh, what am yeah, I, I think, missing? Yeah, I, I sorry, think 14. Yeah. Yeah. 14 assists. 14 assists. Sorry, that, that's where I got it. Yeah, so so 24, 14 assists, and 32 rebounds. That made sense. I was going to say 32 yes. assists. That's pretty good. <laughs> that like that's would, Scott Skiles. Yeah, that would be a record, yes. Yeah, yeah jerk. Well, Russell, well, Chamberlain's got you beat. But, uh, yeah, so apparently he had an unofficial quadruple-double, but, of course, um, wasn't taken at that time. Yeah, that blocks were not. We're not no, nope. I'm sorry. Yeah, but should have been. That would have been sweet. <laughs> it would have yeah. been nice to see like a guy like Russell. Uh, see what he would have done. Uh, yeah, game two, uh, it was broadcast on ABC, but the broadcaster's strike uh, forced it to be filmed with a single camera uh, in black and white with a producer giving play-by-play, which is not an ideal yeah. way. Uh, but, hey, they were on TV, so that's a, that's a yeah. start. I mean, it's better than where they were before, so, hey. Sure. We'll deal with it. Uh, also in game two, the Celtics rallied from a 14-point deficit with a small lineup of Casey Jones, Siegfried, Havlicek, Jim Barnett, and Bill Russell. Uh, but Philly ended up winning 107-102. Uh, to 102. Uh, The press, of course, ripped uh, Bill Russell for this, for his coaching job, and the fans booed him. So uh, not a good start for uh, Russell, which yeah. is great. It's like, you know, like we always talk about, you know, what it, they'd won like a lot in a row. It's just like, I love that. That they're like, come it's on, pretty like, incredible. what are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. Let's go. Like, we have won yeah. what, six uh, at this point. What, six in a row at this point? Or, eight or, yeah, this or is this the eight? eight oh, this is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's eight right. in a row at this point. Uh, it's just like, geez. Okay. Well, tough, tough crowd, but uh, it's all right. Uh, game three. Um, the Philly chans, uh, Philly cha- uh, fans were chanting "Boston is dead" because uh, they were uh, one fifteen, one hundred four. Uh, Russell had ten, uh, twenty nine, and nine. Uh, Wilt had twenty, forty one, and nine, which is uh, not bad output. Uh, this set an NBA playoff record, of course, for rebounds with forty one. Uh, Celtics barely hung on to win Game Four, one twenty one to one seventeen. Uh, Russell struggled with leg cramps, but uh, hit the clinching free throws to win the game. 
And then we get to game five. Uh, Boston outscores the Celtics. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, the, uh, Philadelphia outscores oh, the yeah. Celtics. Uh, 97-57 in the final 30 minutes uh, for a 140-116 win. Uh, the scene was described at, at Philly's convention hall as a cross between a Roman arena and a garbage dump. Uh, fans smoked cigars to mock red, threw eggs, potatoes, and coins on the court. So they were uh, quite happy to finally break that streak. So they did so by throwing eggs at people, which is just yes. uh, that's hard to clean up. At a baseball, at a basketball game, come on. Yes. Popcorn. Popcorn's easy. You can you can clean up popcorn easily. Who had yeah. eggs? Who brought eggs? Why were there yeah. eggs? Don't like, forget. Yeah, I mean, who cook brought your potatoes? Eggs. Like, how are you allowed yeah. to bring this stuff into a, an arena? Yeah, <laughs> obviously, did the uh, the security was not uh, was a little more <laughs> lax. Why? What? What purpose of that? Like, if they didn't win, what were you going to do with the eggs? <laughs> Throw them at your team, I guess. I guess I don't so, know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay, all right. Yeah. makes sense. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, so the, uh, the the Sixers celebrated with champagne, which, of course, they had not won the championship. They'd only won the division, but and very ecstatically. Um, well, I, I sort of thought he was very low-key in the celebration. There's descriptions in both the rivalry and King of the Court where, um, you know, he kind of felt that the Celtics' domination of him was largely bad luck. And we've gone through all the close calls that if it had gone just a slightly different way in a couple of those situations, Wilt would obviously, you know, have had four or five championships and Russell still would have had a lot, but not quite as many. And it would have been more balanced than we kind of think of it historically. Um, um, and he kind of felt like his teammates had bought into to the myth, you know, believing they had toppled the dynasty when really they had just beaten an aging team in the second round of the playoffs. Um, and... Um, in King of the Court, it was described as he had retained his cool aloofness and victory. He had already insisted he was the greatest player ever, so he found no validation in beating the Celtics. And a uh, writer named Jeremy Larner wrote that he had nothing to do but to assert and simply reassert his simple, sterile pride in his own existence. So it was kind of like a difficult thing for Wilt because you know he essentially because he's supposed to do this because he's supposed to be great and because he believed in his greatness even though he he had lost so many times to the Celtics it sort of made the victory um not that exciting for him you know it also I I I didn't write it down but I remember there also being a description of where like Wilt basically was like oh now they're gonna expect me to do it again it was kind of like you know he couldn't find the true joy in in this because of just the burden of expectations that um, that he dealt with, which, you know, a lot of things in his life being just the size that he was and never being able to kind of like live a normal existence. It's obviously, you know, a tragedy when you're so famous and, 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 you know, such a striking figure that, um, a difficult thing to do. And, um, I've always, I've always felt, and not to get off, but I've always sure. felt a lot of, a lot of LeBron James and Wilt, where it's just like, you know, you know, like he's sort of destined to always be great, and then like no matter what you do, like because LeBron ne- almost seemingly never takes joy in victory, because like, and rightfully so. I mean, there's always like, you know, oh well, you know, Jordan did it this many times, or this guy did it this many times, and oh, you know, you know, yeah. And anytime he fails, it's like, it's like even in winning, it's like, oh, you won two in a row. Well, Jordan won three in a row. You know what I mean? Like every, it's always just been that, and I've always had that idea of those two because it just seems like and, and it seems to bother LeBron as well as it bothered Wilt too where Wilt you know should have just saw joy in this and said that's ah, screw I don't care what people think about me I'm great yeah. I'm really good and I'm you know I'm, I'm a talented guy I'm, I'm, I'm having living a great life but it was always just sort of yeah worried and, what, what and, the narrative or what the perceptions were going to be of him and, and yeah and he may have enjoyed I mean, he, he might have found the joy inside obviously we're not in his head but um but it was it was inter- interesting to see kind of the um yeah and I agree about Bob 
about you with LeBron. I mean, you know, he, he might celebrate in the moment, but there's always like, it's always like, oh, this isn't good enough because mm-hmm. you have to deal with these expectations. And, you know, and we're with Will, it's like almost like if he celebrates, then he then he validates what everyone has said about him. And in, in this moment, you know, this moment is great because it overcomes all the validation things. It's like he has to he can't celebrate too much because otherwise it like, um, you know, all the critics that have been criticizing him are right if he does that, which you know, puts him kind of in no mm-hmm. situation, um, you know. But life. I'm glad yeah. nobody cares. I'm glad I have no expectations in my life. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Anything I do is a positive. So. Right. That, there you go. According to my mom. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I think your mom's <laughs> right. You know, um, I think you're cool too, too Rich. Well, thank, you. thank you. Thank so, you. Um, anyway, um, uh, Russell and the Celtics congratulate the victors in the locker room. And then at a uh, at a banquet uh, later, um, they, they the Celtics kind of had an annual dinner every year after they would, you know, before they would go on break. And uh, Russell had kind words and silly jokes during that day. So there wasn't there was not really a lot of sadness or forlorn. I mean, they, they'd won eight in a row. They were due. Um, I, I, you know, everyone kind of felt like I'm sure. Um, though, though, however, while leaving the court, he did seek out Casey Jones, who this was his final um, game. And then he was going on to uh, to, to to be a college coach coach for a while and then of course would later uh be the Celt- be a, a coach for the Celtics in the uh, in the 80s um and then of course the Sixers would go on to beat the uh the Warriors in the NBA finals and it was the uh, which was the second of three titles in franchise history so. um yeah uh, anything else about 67 uh no that's it all right, so moving on to uh, 68, the uh, the Celtics get revenge. Uh, they win the series four games Much to three. Much needed revenge, finally. The Celtics get yes, their due. finally, yeah. yes. Um, the, uh, the Celtics uh, were 54 and 28 for during the season. The Sixers were 62 and 20, still obviously very great. Um, the Celtics had beaten the Pistons in the first round. The Sixers had beaten the Knicks in the first round, both four to two. Um, the... Uh, Casey Jones had retired, but uh, basically, other than that, they the the Celtics brought the band together. Um, the the Sixers had um, Wilt and uh, Greer, Walker, Jackson, uh, Wally Jones, Billy Cunningham, Gukas, and and Melchione were all back. Um, Gamby was gone, however. They did add a veteran Johnny Green, who uh, I, I think we yeah we talked about before um, in the Wilt 100 podcast was the first NBA player to actually play through age uh, 39. Now he got kind of a late start, but he still had a uh, an incredible longevity throughout his career and was a decent contributor on uh, this team. Um, uh, so how did the series go, Rich? Yeah, so, uh, a little bit of highlights first. Uh, John Havlicek, he averaged, uh, 25.6 points per game. Uh, Jones, who, you know, he's at 34 now, uh, starting to slow down a little bit, but for slow down for him at 23.6 points per game. Uh, and Russell recovers a little bit, 13.7 points per game. So he, uh, does a little bit better than he did the prior year. Uh, Hale Greer, 26.1 points per game. Wilt with, uh, 22, uh, and Walker with, uh, 20.3. So we're starting to see a little bit of slip from Wilt, but of course, you know, slip for Wilt is, is still pretty damn good. Uh, and of course, He'd, he'd he'd be okay. Wilt would be would be fine. But uh, yeah, so the Sixers were of course here without uh, Billing Cunningham. Uh, a yeah. bunch of other. I mean, this is of course you're thinking 1968. You kind of do the math here. You go, oh no, this might have come. But, yep, it, uh, MLK was actually assassinated uh, on April 4th, 1968. Of course, and this affected Game One. Uh, the Celtics and Sixers each uh, had to deal with the decision of whether or not they would play the game. This, I believe we yeah. we talked about this in our Wilt uh, episode, correct? Our yeah, Wilt, our yeah, Wilt, yeah, yeah. So there was that. Yeah, the, 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 yeah there's no reason that we don't need to go through all that again. Sure. But it, but it, the the important thing I think is that you know the Celtics handled it in a way where they were very open. They had like a very open discussion and were able to kind of hash it out as a team, whereas the Sixers didn't really like. 
Alex Hannum later said, lamented basically like, you know, I should have called a meeting and let everyone, you know, talk it out and, you know, say whether they would want to mm-hmm. play the game or not because, um, you know, they, they finally had like a, a team meeting right on the, uh, basically at the deadline, you know, like 40 minutes left to, um, before they played the game and, you know, it just led everyone to kind of get upset and even made it even more difficult to, um, made the situation even more difficult and just kind of, um, um, you know, uh, poison the well a little bit, I guess, sure. to a cer- certain extent. Although, um, you know, they ended up losing game one, but they were able to win games um, two, three, and four. So they actually had a 3-1 lead in this series. Yeah, and this is uh, the first time uh, a team was down uh, 3-1 and won a series. Uh, we'll get to the, the final game here because that's, I think, the most important one. Um a little bit, uh, yeah. So of course, this is Celtics won uh, 100 to uh, 96. This was, of course, a Game Seven uh, of the Eastern Division Finals. Russell had 12 points, 26 rebounds, five assists, and 10 blocks. Uh, the Celtics jumped out to an early lead and were able to stay just ahead of Philly uh, for the duration of the game. On the final minutes, the Sixers were uh, only down two. Chet Walker. Um, uh, he, he's rebounded. Uh, he has a, a shot, and it's rebounded by Russell, who's fouled. Uh, Russell misses the first free throw. Sam Jones approached Russell and said, "Bend your knees, Bill," <laughs> uh, which helped because he made it. And then uh, he uh, Russell then would block a Chet Walker shot and get a rebound off of a Greer miss uh, to seal the game. And of course, uh, this is in a way, I, I guess, somewhat famous for uh, Wilts. Uh, did not do a whole lot. He uh, he was injured and only took two shots in the second half. Uh, Russell credited, uh, he was credited, Russell rather, was credited for outplaying Wilt and outcoaching Hannum after his coaching and playing had been questioned the year prior, of course. We, we talked about that a little bit before. Uh, so this was it. This was it. They beat, uh, went on to the NBA Finals, and they would go and beat the Lakers to win the uh, NBA Championship. Finally, bringing a title back to Boston after yeah. a year. Yeah. So. Uh, there, there were a couple of notes I wanted to bring about earlier in the series that I thought were interesting. Um, but uh, like in Game 3, uh, Hal Greer had 21 points in the fourth quarter quarter for to lead the 76ers to a win uh 122 to 114 that was kind of a rally there uh in game four russell assigned himself to defend luke jackson instead of um um instead of will so that he could help on Hal greer but then jackson and jackson wasn't much of an offensive player but jackson was able to kind of score on three straight outside shots to uh give the, the sixers the win and later kind of um uh, you realize that was a strategic mistake. Um, after game four, Russell said he didn't really want to give a pep talk because the Celtics didn't really like believe in that. It's like, yeah, you guys are adults. You can get motivated yourselves. But he sort of made a joke to Don Nelson about he's like, yeah, you guys don't want to go home. It's like, Don, you don't want to go home to Moline, Illinois, right? No, he you doesn't. And, he does yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so and everyone kind of laughed and just kind of, uh, you know, made the situation that was tense, you know, kind of. Um, you know, everyone cut the tension a little bit. Uh, in Game 5, the Celtics' defense ended up shutting Philly in the fourth quarter, allowing only two of 20 shots uh, during a stretch, and Boston won by 18. And then Game 6, a uh, really strategic uh, change. Basically, Russell was setting picks on the high post, which drew Wilt out on the perimeter where he didn't like to go. And Wilt only made 5 of 21 uh, free throws and, and drew five fouls, which uh, led to Russell then attacking the basket and, and Wilt not being able to file foul. So Boston ended up winning that game 114 to 106, of course, leads to the, you know, the, the game that you described, game seven. So, um, but yeah, there were some interesting things within the series that we wanted to talk about um, too. But um, yeah, so after this point, um, Wilt uh, ends up getting traded uh, during the uh, during the offseason. He just uh, he w- was kind of unhappy. The um, he, um, you know the ownership had um, ended up 
uh, changing after you know the uh, the the owner had uh, had passed away, and um, he, Ike Richmond he he had uh, he had passed away, and they had and and now it was sort of an ownership that he was not that into. He had sort of been reluctant to go back to Philly. He wasn't really happy there, and wanted to go uh, out to L.A. And you know the the chemistry there. They, he, Wilton Hanneman had some. They didn't necessarily not get along, but they, um, you know, there had been some conflict, some some heads butted there. So it was kind of time for Will to go, and he ended up being traded to um, the Lakers. And unlike the first trade, the 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 um, Sixers actually got an okay return. I mean, it definitely wasn't equal, but uh, Daryl Imhoff was a pretty good defensive big man, and Archie Clark was, you know, a pretty good scoring um, uh, guard. So they actually did have, uh, you know. This season, they actually finished 55 and 27, and um, the Celtics only finished 48 and 34. So, um, so, so they had a, a stronger regular season record. But again, the Celtics managed to uh, win a uh, this playoff series uh, four games to one. Uh, the Celtics, their only big addition was uh, was guard M. Bryant, who um, uh, came over was a pretty good um, defensive guard. And then they also had Don Chaney on the bench, who didn't really play much for this this season, but um, would be a key, a key player on the 70s teams. Meanwhile, the Sixers now clearly led by uh, Cunningham as well as Greer and Chet Walker. Greer at this point was getting into his 30s. Walker was still a fairly young player. Uh, Wally Jones, Luke Jackson, um, Kukas and Green all returning for the team. So, so how did the series go? Uh, series. Um, d- 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 Russell, he coasted the last weeks of the season, but uh, he turned it on uh, and for one last postseason, which is probably not a bad idea, Bill. Yeah. That's, that's a good idea. The uh, the Tim Duncan method of, yeah, you yeah. know what, I'll just chill and then see what or happens. Or the LeBron method at this point, too. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, what's going on <laughs> uh, this year. Yeah, but so the Celtics, they were led by uh, Havlicek. He had 27.2 points per game. Uh, Howell had uh, 19.4, and Casey Jones had uh, 17. Uh, Bill Russell only had 6.6, but we, as we mentioned, he sort of coasted through what it, it appeared to coast through much of the season uh, to turn it on in the playoffs, which we'll see here in a little bit. Uh, the 76ers, they were led by Cunningham, who had 24.4 points per game. Uh, Clark, he had 19.4. Imhoff, uh, 19.2. And Greer started to slow down a little bit on his own end uh, with 16 uh, points on the season. Yeah. Uh, game one, Russell had two points, uh, but he made it up for it with 15 rebounds, eight assists, and 12 blocks. And Boston won by 14. Um Boston won game two in a blowout at home. Uh, then they won uh, game three, 125 to 118. Uh, the Sixers came back in game four, won 119, 116. So it was all up to game five, which Boston won 93 to 90. And Bryant yelled, Philly is dead, but Havlicek tells him to cool it, and they have bigger fish to fry. So that's an uh, uh, interesting thing. And then the Celtics, they, uh, they again beat the Lakers in the finals in seven games, uh, and that was the end of Russell's career, of course, and yet another championship for the Boston Celtics. Yes, and we talked about that coming at Wilton Expense uh, once again. So, all right, anything else, Rich? Uh, that's it. All right, Four well, we got one. Hey, we got one. So, yeah, hey, it was a big one too. Sixty-eight wins, nothing to sneeze at, you know. So, um, yeah, and we talked about you know the the fact that the Sixers probably, if they had been able to kind of hold them together and you know been able to make it work, could have obviously. Uh, I mean, they really had the chance to be one. You know, they, they, those most of their key players were still. Um, young enough to contribute to the over the next four or five years. I mean, everyone they ended up basically trading everyone away in the next a couple of seasons. But you know, Chet Walker, you know, was was a strong player for the Bulls. Cunningham was an MVP in the ABA. Um, 
you know, um, so so they still, you know, the, the key guys who were contributing for those teams were still, you know, very good players for another, you know, um, four or five years. So if they had been able to kind of hold all that together, um, well, obviously being with the uh, the great, you know, Lakers teams. So you know, you definitely could see have seen them emerge as a dynasty over the next few seasons. But of course, they end up being the uh, the worst team in NBA history by uh, seventy three before uh, bouncing back in the uh, Dr. J years. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, well, uh, thanks everyone for checking us out. You can find us at over and back NBA, both on Twitter and, uh, Facebook. And, um, uh, you can also, we would greatly appreciate it if you would leave us a rating review. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you just, uh, just, just do that real quick and, uh, give us some props. We would greatly appreciate it. Help other people find us and, uh, it satisfies our egos, which is the most important thing. Obviously. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back again soon. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.